Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. President Trump got the emoluments case against him, claiming he had illegally profited from his Washington hotel, dismissed by a federal appeals court. But similar emoluments cases are pending before appeals courts in D.C. and New York. Could the result in those places be different? Joining me is Steve Sanders, a professor at the Morris School of Law at Indiana University. Steve, this was a procedural ruling based on the standing of the plaintiffs, Maryland and D.C., to bring the lawsuit. Tell us what the Fourth Circuit decided. Sure, Jim, that's exactly right. This is a threshold issue. The Fourth Circuit didn't reach the merits of the argument of whether or whether or not President Trump has violated the emoluments clause or what the emoluments clause means today. It's something that really has never been interpreted by a court. Um, What the Fourth Circuit decided is that the uh, District of Columbia and the state of Maryland didn't have what's called standing. A basic requirement of bringing a lawsuit in a federal court is that you have to have standing. What that means is you have to show you have an actual or imminent injury. The requirement is intended to prevent people from just coming into court and seeking a judgment based on what they think the law is or what the Constitution means. They may just have a generalized grievance. The standing requirement assures that you have some skin in the game, that you actually have something at risk, that this is a true legal case or controversy. Now, the argument that Maryland and the District of Columbia made was their injury was lost business. President Trump gets a lot of business at his hotel in Washington. They said that both domestic and foreign clients steer their business to the Trump Hotel in order to curry favor with the president. And that likely hurts business at convention centers and other facilities that Maryland and D.C. operate. What the Fourth Circuit said was that is simply too speculative, that for standing purposes, your injury can't be that much a matter of guesswork. They couldn't prove that they had actually lost any business to the Trump Hotel. And so what the Fourth Circuit said is because you don't really have any evidence, you're just speculating here that you might have lost business that might have come to you instead of going to Trump. Sorry, for constitutional purposes, you don't have the required injury. So another emoluments lawsuit filed by congressional Democrats with a different twist from this suit is before the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. Might they have better luck with the standing issue? It's possible. There aren't a lot of clear answers about the standing of elected officials to bring a suit when they say, hey, our prerogatives are at stake here. Our constitutional responsibilities are being trampled on. In D.C., the Trump administration or President Trump is also relying on the argument that this suit must be dismissed because it's a distraction from his official responsibilities. One thing about the so-called standing doctrine is that I think most law professors and law students who learn about it realize it's extraordinarily malleable. And that is, Sometimes courts and judges will use standing, and 
the absence of standing or the presence of standing to get rid of a case that they think they don't want to deal with or to signal what they really think about the merits. You know, there have been cases I teach my students where, say, a state has said the federal government's failure to regulate uh, CO2 was contributing to the loss of its beach land. Is that really more attenuated or more speculative than what the state attorneys general were arguing here? We'll see. There is another body of doctrine about elected officials, members of Congress, and their standing to sue the executive branch. We'll see what the D.C. Circuit says about that. So, Steve, you have these emoluments clauses in the Constitution. So the framers thought it was an important concept. Who gets to enforce them? If neither Congress can enforce them, if a state can enforce them, who will enforce them? Well, this is a very interesting and legitimate question, and it's not really limited to emoluments. So emoluments is interesting because it has never really been the subject of authoritative interpretation by the modern Supreme Court, what exactly it means to violate emoluments. But, you know, that is a dilemma in in much constitutional law that just because I as a citizen am convinced that the government is violating the Constitution, I can't just bring a lawsuit. I have to show I'm injured. And sometimes that kind of injury is difficult to prove. And so in this situation, who is injured by the president illegally profiting allegedly from his businesses? So far, all the people who say they've had injuries from that are striking out in the federal courts. Mm. This case was decided by a panel of three judges, all appointed by Republican presidents. The plaintiffs could ask for an on-bank hearing before the full court, which is not as conservative as these three judges are. They could ask to go to the Supreme Court. What do you think they should do? Well, I I think they should probably pursue both of those courses. It is typical when you believe that a panel of a court of appeals has erred to ask the full court, all the judges, the en banc court, to reconsider the decision. If you do that, you're not forfeiting your right to eventually go to the Supreme Court if the Fourth Circuit were to rule against them as well. I think they should pursue all of their options here. Again, standing is is one of those doctrines that's malleable. Sometimes the injury is in the eye of the beholder, and larger factors and courts' attitudes toward the merits will sometimes influence whether they think a litigant should be allowed to get in the courthouse door or not. And Trump and his attorneys are succeeding in that none of these cases has gone into discovery. And so there's no attorneys or Democrats looking into his finances to see whether he did violate the emoluments clause. That's correct. Now, presumably, Congress could hold hearings about this. Congress can can pursue this a different way. Congress can investigate and make conclusions about whether it thinks the president is violating the the clause. Those don't have the force of law. But of course, we see this administration, frankly, stonewalling uh, efforts by Congress to conduct inquiries as well. There are even more subpoenas being issued. Is it likely that as we get higher and up in the federal courts, that Democrats will have more problems with appellate courts on these issues? Yeah, I, I don't think we can necessarily say that. I think many of us in legal academia sort of Brown on this idea that we've decided what the outcome of court decisions is going to be by the partisan membership of the judges. I think we can hope that won't be the case, that there are good judges out there who will try as hard as they can to 
to adjudicate these cases fairly and to explain their reasons persuasively in opinions. All right. Well, you explained very persuasively the reasons here. Thank you so much, Steve, as always. That's Steve Sanders. He's a professor at the Morris School of Law at Indiana University. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.